Hi, welcome. My name is John Ogden, and I'm a curriculum creator at Uplift. I'm Michelle Larson, a marriage and family associate. I'm Amanda Suarez. I'm a school psychologist, and I do school-based counseling with students. And today we're going to be talking about this week's featured calendar lesson on anxiety. It's called Anxiety, Finding Calm in the Chaos. And we say whether through stillness or movement, we have resources, including our inner compass, to find calm in the chaos. This lesson gives parents and kids strategies that they can use to navigate big feelings. So, Amanda and Michelle, what strategies have you seen help kids navigate anxiety? In my work in schools, working with kindergarten through high school students, anxiety is one of the primary things that we're working with, helping students manage their anxiety in the school setting. And I'd say the most helpful approach is two-pronged. One side of it is helping kids develop coping skills that can support them in the moment. Coping skills can include calming strategies, things like breathing techniques or mindfulness techniques, a distraction strategy, which is like take a break or draw a picture or to do uh, shift the attention. So that's one avenue. And the other avenue, which I think is ultimately more, even more fruitful, is helping children learn to tolerate the intensity of the energy of anxiety. So these are the two approaches that are really effective in working with anxiety. Yeah, like Amanda said, there's a lot of research that shows there's things that we're working with. What can I change about this situation? And what can I not change? And if I can't change it, how do I relate to it differently? How do I orient my own emotions and how I look at what's happening and how I feel about what's happening? So yeah, it's really both of those at the same time. And that's what the research really supports. Yeah, it's wonderful. I like the idea of not wanting to completely hide from situations that could cause anxiety. One analogy that I've read is that like helping somebody with a peanut allergy, that it's actually helpful to get just the tiniest exposure rather than no exposure at all. And I think the same thing can be true of anxiety, that if we shelter our kids completely from situations that cause that anxiety, they don't develop the skills to navigate through it. So what are some of the specific things that parents can do to start to help their kids face situations that may be anxiety-inducing? Yeah, there's something about what you just said, John. I think it's so important. Like, being a parent is really hard. Anyone that's had a two-year-old throwing a tantrum in, in public, you know, your own anxiety starts to go up. So the research around co-regulation is really important. So what something about what you just said, it really brought up for me that there's two things happening. There's what's happening for our kid and then how we're also responding to that. So I think one of the best things that we can do is to actually use these tools ourselves so that we come into the situation feeling more calm and we can actually use our own nervous system to help the child also regulate their nervous system. So if we're in tune with our own nervous system, staying calm, you know, even just using the breath, that's really helpful for the child to also get there. Yeah, I could not agree more. I don't think you can underestimate the ways that our state and the state of our nurse nervous system impacts 
our kids in the moment. And I think it is a balance that you spoke to, John. It's being available and supportive and present with our kids when they're struggling, but also not overcompensating or trying to solve for their worries and anxieties. That's how we build resilience is giving just enough support to be in the discomfort of the feeling. And what scripts would a parent use to help their kid in this situation? Yeah. So there are some really great scripts just to have available in your back pocket in moments of intense anxiety. But before I give some suggestions of what that could be, I think it's important to note there are levels of anxiety. And if your child is in a panic attack, a lot of reasoning and a lot of talking probably won't be helpful. So that's where, you know, attunement is really important. You're checking in, is my child available for to have a conversation or do they just need physical presence right now? So first noticing what's the level of anxiety and, you know, are they open to an, an interaction? And then one, just validating and normalizing the way they feel. Often when kids are feeling shame or guilt about their worry, it'll just exacerbate it. So telling your child, of course you feel worried about your math test. It makes so much sense. Something like that, something to normalize and validate how they're feeling. And then letting them know you're present. You're feeling worried. What can I do to support you? And they won't, they may not, depending on where they're at, they may not have an answer right away. And that's okay. They may need space. Or you could give options. You know, you could say, do you want me to study with you? Or you could give a few different options of how to support, but letting them know when they're ready, you're available to support them through the moment. And then reminding them that feelings come and go. Feelings are impermanent. It doesn't feel like it in the moment. In a moment of anxiety, it feels like that's all there is. So reminding, reminding them, you won't always feel this way. This will pass. All of those three things are really important learning for kids to take them through their experience. And I feel like I want to emphasize that it feels messy in the moment. Your child might respond to you in an angry way or push back or, you know, you're using these scripts and, you know, maybe they don't calm down right away. And that's, that is okay. But just having the scripts and pulling them out again and again and again, it has an impact and it helps your child build skills. Something that comes to mind is the best tool is themselves too. So you can also remind them like, oh, remember when you felt like this uh, when we were at the river at grandma's house or, you know, and, and really remind them, what did you do that time? What did you do last time you felt this way? And they often can also come up with like, oh, that's right. You know, just reminding them you felt this before. Do you remember? And what did you do that time? So that can also be really helpful and have them draw from their own strength. There's also some great research um, by Dan Siegel, and there's this phrase that I love that's uh, name it to tame it. And in the lesson, we talk about the cognitive distortion. So some of the ways that we often, our brain will just almost just fall into a groove. You know, it's a well-worn path. It's kind of our go-to when it comes to anxiety. And it might be catastrophizing, saying like, it's always like this, or it's never going to get better, or labeling is a type of cognitive distortion like i'm always you know i i am this 
you know, a kid might say like, I'm so bad at softball. And so it's just reminding them, like naming it like, oh yeah, I'm doing that thing I always do. I always try to pretend like I can read everyone's mind and I know what everyone's thinking about me. And that makes me really anxious and saying like, oh, I'm doing that thing again where I'm guessing what everyone's thinking about me and it might not be true. So that just even just naming it and helping the child name it. Um, and the lesson can be a great resource for some of those cognitive distortions. Yeah, I love the phrase name it to tame it as well, especially because it can help a kid learn the feeling that precedes anxiety. And if they can learn that feeling, then they can use strategies to prevent it from becoming overwhelming. As Amanda said, once it gets to the point where it's overwhelming, there's little that reason and conversation and logic can do. At that point, it's a game of being present, asking if they need help, offering a hug. And so by naming it to tame it, a kid can learn this is the feeling that leads to anxiety. And so I should do any number of things, take a break, find a distraction, breathe, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a way when we do this often enough, like when we actually start to name it and start to see it in ourselves. For, for me, for my kids, there's almost a way that we can also include humor to be like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that thing again. I'm so familiar with that thing. Like, wow, I thought, you know, I thought I had changed that pattern and here it is again. And so even just kind of, again, not when you're outside of that window of tolerance that, you know, when you're in the red or you're just, you know, you're not able to really, your cognitive functioning, you're, you're, it's not there. But in those moments, you know, you can actually use humor as well. Yeah. And all of these strategies we're talking about, it creates just a little bit of space, a little window of space between your child and the feeling of anxiety. And that's really the goal is to just have some space where they can act from a wise and connected place when the anxiety is arising. Mm -hmm. That points to how this relates to spirituality. You know, Uplift, we talk about spiritual parenting as informed by wisdom traditions, as well as scientific research. Spirituality, as we talk about it, is the practice of helping your kids connect with awe, love, and purpose. So it means connecting with something you're in awe of, connecting with family members and friends, or connecting with your authentic self and inner compass. So it's deep connection. The more we can practice healthy spirituality together, better we'll be able to cope with the worries that we feel in life. So any final strategies uh, that we could talk about in terms of how to integrate spirituality and help kids navigate feelings of anxiety? You know, when you're talking about connection, um, one of the ways that we can even connect is by actually receiving that things can sometimes be hard, like actually connecting, you know, even letting our kids know, like, I felt this before too. I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to get rid of any difficult feelings. And that's one of the great Buddhist lessons from Buddhism is that there is suffering. Like sometimes it's just even adjusting our expectations that we should never feel things that are difficult we should never feel anxiety. We need to get rid of the anxiety. And I think there's actually even a place to connect on 
receiving that things are sometimes hard and that we can like this, you know, there's that great Mary Oliver, like someone handed me a box full of darkness and it took me a while where I realized this too was a gift. You know, it's that idea that we don't need to just get rid of it. Let's actually look at it for a moment and we can do that together. The CDC has come out with some numbers that show, okay, anxiety was on the rise before COVID, but since COVID, it's reached really critical numbers in both adults and children. And, you know, my family is actually kind of a little microcosm of that. You know, I have kids that maybe tend toward caution and worry a little bit, but in more recent years, it's become more critical and more intense. So this is something that I not only work with students every day in schools, but I work with it in my own family system. And I don't think we can underestimate the ways that feeling connection, connection to other, connection to something beyond ourselves, having experiences of wonder and awe, all of those are antidotes to uh, anxiety, which is you know, worry about the future. It's anxiety is a, a, a signal of danger. So the more opportunities we have to feel that we can trust life, life is a connected experience that will naturally be medicine to the experience of worry and, and anxiety. Really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I'll close with this quote that we use in our section called What the Wisdom Says. Actually, two quotes. I like them both so much. Uh, and so another quote from Mary Oliver, I saw that worrying had come to nothing and gave it up. And then, do you imagine the universe is agitated? This is from Lao Tzu. He says, go into the desert at night and look out at the stars. This practice should answer the question. So this lesson really gives parents and kids a way to explore anxiety together so that they can be prepared for the next time it happens. They can really realize how important spirituality is to this problem. It's not about pretending that hard things aren't there, that spiritual bypassing, mm -hmm. and that's a negative thing. So we want to face hard things, and we want to be able to do it wisely. And that is where spiritual health comes in. Yeah, so many good strategies here. Anything else? No. Yeah, it's no, great. I, yeah, I think you ended it beautifully, John. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.